so they had launched in 2008, right? So they had already kind of gone through their, as they they call it, their trough of sorrow, right? Where they've launched, they relaunched, they had, you know, and then yeah. they, they had some great press for the Obama um, National That's Convention right. in Denver, right? Yeah. They had some like, you know, everyone was interviewing them at CNN and they were like, we made it, right? This is it. And then after that, bookings completely fell off, right? So they, they kind of went through that initial early stage startup struggle that I think all early stage um, startup companies go through, right? Of like, is this even going to work? Yeah. I mean, you, you've seen some of the email responses that some really big name VCs got back to them too, right? It's like, this is a stupid idea. <laughs> Never going to work. Why would anyone stay in a stranger's home, let alone let a stranger stay in their house, right? Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. In just a moment, you'll meet Justin Hauke, co-founder and CEO of Storied Collection a collection of castles and historical stays across the UK and Ireland. While Storied Collection is Justin's first rodeo as a founder, it's not his first rodeo working in startups. Back in 2009, Justin was hired as the 13th team member at a little startup that had just graduated from the world's most prestigious of startup accelerators called Y Combinator. And yes, at least half of you guessed it, that startup was Airbnb. In this riveting and insightful conversation, Justin talks about the 10 plus years he spent working at Airbnb and how he helped build the company into the memorable brand that it is today. Justin also shares the story behind the founding of his new company, Storied Collection, from a slightly different perspective than what his co-founder, Michael Golden, shared on this podcast a few weeks ago. Justin talks about the opportunities he sees to build great companies in the hospitality tech space, his thoughts on memberships and loyalty programs in short-term rentals, and also some spicy takes on the future of travel and hospitality as a whole. All right, without further ado, get ready to meet Justin. All right, Justin, we are live, my friend. How are you doing today? I'm doing real well. How are you today? I am doing excellent. I am excited to chat with you because I think we, we've talked to a few people that have worked at Airbnb, but I, I believe that you're the first person we've had on the podcast who was really early on at, at Airbnb. Yes. Yeah. Very early. Um, it, it sometimes surprises people too. I had a, a call yesterday for one of these uh, consultant meetings and, and they kept reiterating. So you were the 13th employee <laughs> hired at Airbnb, not just in your team or your division, Overall, I was like, yes, that's it. Yep, 13th official full-time employee. I got it got it signed off from HR too. So yeah, I, I take that as um definitely a badge of honor, right? Um, uh, getting in that early with with obviously such a, a transformative company was you know a little bit of luck for sure. Um, I wasn't scouted by any means, um, but you know, I saw the opportunity and um and just continued to kind of knife myself in there to yeah. as many operations, as many things I, I could possibly do. Yeah, it's um it, I mean it, it's super cool. It's not every day that you get to talk to somebody who was that early on uh at a company that 
has been wonderfully influential, right? And in, in not just yeah. sort of the immediate hospitality space, but the world in general, right? I was talking to my grandma the other day, actually, and it was funny. <laughs> she, she, a lot of people, I think, that have been in the industry for a while don't like when people refer to short-term rentals as like an Airbnb, right? Um, and my grandmother, who again, has spent most of her life traveling to vacation rentals, it's always been the, the place that she, the, the kind of accommodation she's preferred. She was telling me, you know, that she had just booked an Airbnb with a, a bunch of her friends. Come to find out, she actually like booked the the actual stay on, on Verbo, but she, she called it an Airbnb. And I was like, oh, Graham, I wish I could record this and drop this on my podcast so people know that even you who, you know, 85 years young, right? Uh, you're, you're not, you, you've, been, you've been assumed by, by the wave that is this cultural moment of, of Airbnb. Yeah, wild, right? Yeah, I mean, once you kind of, your brand becomes a noun and a verb, yeah. you know, I, I think that's when you realize like, okay, we, we've reached this global scale now at this point. When the, when the grandmas are saying it too, yeah. <laughs> that's 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 it, it's over, you know? Yeah. Um, and nothing against Verbo or, or the Expedia brand as well. They, they have a great product over there. Yeah. Um, but it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, it was, it, I mean, it's just impressive is, is, is the point, right? Like it's, I think everyone can appreciate that. I, I wanna hear the story, how, how did you first, get into airbnb like what you, you said you weren't scouted so how did you hear yeah. about the company like what what were those early days like yeah so you know i'm at, at my core i'm a sales marketing guy right so i'm not one of these devs coming in from stanford or anything like that right um and yeah my my good friend and colleague former colleague um daniel uh his sister had a friend of a friend that knew the founders um in la and so she was doing some kind of work just kind of you know figuring things out i mean this was when the, there was a 10 person company right yeah. and so everyone's got to do everything um and she mentioned to to daniel and myself like hey there's this opportunity this cool companies really cool guys are doing this travel thing you stay in other people's houses or their bedrooms um i thought it was a bit odd right and i never <laughs> heard of of couch surfing you know just kind of you know in in passing i was like okay so you're, you're st staying on people's couches and stuff i'm like okay whatever um and so I had my first job out of school in, in, in Chicago, downtown there, and, and was, you know, kind of focused on hitting my monthly numbers. Yeah. And this opportunity came and I was like, you know what, let's see what it is. And so it was a, kind of a nights and weekends thing um, was basically it was called pending calls. Right. Mm. And so we would get a list every, you know, couple days and it would have a, um, you know, the pending reservation requests. Right. So someone would inquire for a property. Um, they would put their credit card down and pay for the stay. Right. As, as kind of how the model works. And then it's up to the host then to either accept or decline within that either it was 24 hours, 36 or 48. It was kind of always, um, always kind of shifting and figuring out, you know, what was the best experience yeah. as we would actually call the hosts across the U S and say, Hey, you know, I, I saw the, the, the phrase it was, hi, this is Justin from Airbnb calling, let you know, you have a pending reservation request for $436 at your house. Insert listing name here. <laughs> um, please accept or decline within 24 hours. Um, thank you so much. And let us know if you have any questions, right? And so I would just get voicemail after voicemail. We talked to a couple or two or three people wow. along the way um, and just kept doing this, right? When we had free time um, and, and you know, but again, it was time was of the essence, yeah. right? So yeah. these things, it's like a ticking tick, 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 tick. Um, <laughs> And so we would get through the whole list and the first, the lists were like a half a page long. And then, you know, in the next couple of weeks, they started to be a full page long and then like a month into this thing, we're getting like two full pages of like, we're making like 50 or a hundred calls. Jeez. 
to these people and and we're kind of like okay this something's going on like or is this real is this a, a legitimate business is this like what is going on we didn't really know um and so we kept doing that and then we finally kind of got a meeting with brian brian's like who are these guys right yeah. um and so we, we and so we chatted because venetia her, her uh his sister had not mentioned our names or anything it was just kind of like she was just kind of offboarding the work yeah um and paying us like half of what she was getting for it which was funny <laughs> enough um but anyway so we chatted with brian and he said yeah you know i i you know thanks for your help um great to meet and and you know would love if you guys um we're open to it, right. To helping us with some of our sales and yeah. growth, listing growth, right. Because we, you know, you're talking about markets like Austin, um, for South by Southwest, or it was the winter Olympics up in British Columbia, Vancouver at the time. Right. And so there was a massive supply demand imbalance because it was starting to pick up. This was in 2010. And so people were starting to, to, especially the kind of early adopters, the type of South by Southwest tech people yeah. that would be early adopters, right. We're looking to book a place. Yeah. Um, for the conference and there wasn't anything available right you would do a, a search for austin and put the south by southwest dates in and you would get like 20 total results i'm talking like you know dark photos of people's like dirty couches and things <laughs> like that too right and and he's like you know would, would love if you guys could kind of just kind of build out as the sales strategy ultimately right and yeah. and add more listings and so we we're like okay um a bit more in our wheelhouse and and so we would just go and find properties often from VRBO at the time, actually Verbo um, now, and and would call and, and reach out. Craigslist was another kind of lead source. We say, hey, here's a great opportunity to join this early website, Airbnb is Airbed and Breakfast at the time. Yeah. Um, and and you know, there's there's a massive demand for for South by Southwest, right? And so we would go do all this process, talk to them, get them in, excited, help them get the listing built, right? Activate it make sure they're optimized with the photos and the description and then we would kind of go on to the next market too so that's that's really how it started originally wow. and, and doing that for a couple months um started to add some really crazy like private island properties right like hey we need more splashy kind of marketable properties yeah go find them right and so yeah. we were like calling places in africa we were calling places in australia we were staying up to like midnight um, and I still have a full-time job too, right? But it, it became really fun and really cool. And and Brian and, and the team was just um you know really warm and accommodating. And um and yeah, that's where it took off. And eventually, um, as kind of needs dictated, um, so customer support became um much more of a focus in terms of now, you know, people are booking and, and staying, and now the, the phone's ringing, right? And and at the time it was Joe Gebbius cell phone yeah. was the customer support number right <laughs> is kind of going back in old lore and um and so myself and daniel were hired as one of the first or the first um batch of customer support agents flew us out to san francisco did the full week immersion with the team at the at the headquarters which is their apartment at the time rouse street wow um and then kind of sent us back on our way to chicago to to start answering the phones as they rang too so that's that that was my official quit my job um you know my, my parents were like is this a cult are you sure you should be doing this right now right and um and yeah obviously it it uh it worked out for the best wow what a what a remarkable story i, I do just want to ask a quick follow-up question did you were you aware of like y combinator did you did you know that uh, did you have any sort of like experience in tech or had you heard of like startups so 
Um, to a lesser extent. So, okay. I mean, my company, I was, it was a OSHA compliance, a, a web-based, uh, software solution for OSHA compliance for MSDS, okay. um, material safety data sheets. So not as sexy as, <laughs> as travel hospitality maybe. Right. Um, but it was a venture back company. Okay. So I, I kind of had some, you know, and, and I'd seen, right. Amazon was kind of really kind of, you know, coming into the scene at that point, right? Yeah. Um, back from the early kind of, you know, dot-com boom. So I had some familiarity. Daniel, my good friend, um, was very familiar with kind of YC okay. and with the startup world. And he's always just like adored like CEOs and like, you know, business cases. And he's like, you know, he, he was the one who really pushed me where I might've been a bit more closed off to it um, to say, hey, like this is a cool company, you know, and, and this has a chance to be, you know, pretty important yeah. um, without really knowing the full kind of, you know, scope of, of what was actually possible. Right. So he, he was definitely kind of helped kind of clue me in on that. And, and obviously as I, as I continued to, to kind of work for the company, you know, that all that became much more kind of front and center. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, at the time it wasn't, I wasn't a tech guy, yeah, right? I yeah. was just kind of coming out of school. You know, I'm a Midwestern, you know, born in in, in Dallas and and kind of Texas and, and Midwest Chicago land area. And uh, yeah, tech isn't, it, it, it isn't as big as, as, you know, as that, that kind of Stanford Bay Area bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. wow. Hey guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. Do you remember the moment where you realized, whoa, like this is this is going to be a a significant company. Like this is going to be a unicorn. Like did like I did you did you have that revelation early on or did it always sort of feel like where you could make it or we're going to go to zero? <laughs> no, I think so they had launched in 2008 eight right so they had already kind of gone through there as they they call it their trough of sorrow right where they've launched they relaunched they had you know and then yeah. they, they had some great press for the obama um national That's convention right. in denver right yeah. they had some like you know everyone was interviewing them at cnn and they were like we made it right this is it and then after that bookings completely fell off right so they, they kind of went through that initial early stage startup struggle that I think all early stage um, startup companies go through, right? Of like, is this even going to work? Yeah. I mean, you, you've seen some of the email responses that some really big name VCs got back to them too, right? It's like, this is a stupid idea. <laughs> Never going to work. Why would anyone stay in a stranger's home, let alone let a stranger stay in their house, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and I'll pass for now, right? And so obviously, um, you know, a, a huge, uh, huge missed opportunity for them. Um, 
but thankfully there was like already a bit of traction. I think for me, and I wasn't thinking in the in the realm of like, oh, a unicorn, right? I think I I still was kind of a bit closed off to what that actually meant. Yeah. Um, in terms of a kind of a, a the tech world. But for me, it was we um our apartment in Chicago, we put the um we put the uh, an extra bedroom, one of our roommates moved out, blah, blah, blah. We're like, let's let's put it on Airbnb, right? Let's see what happens. And we got a booking. And the direct deposit hit. And I think that was the moment for me where I was like, oh my God, like you can actually rent out extra space yeah. and get money deposited in your bank account, hmm. right? Which is like, that's the, the idea of this two-sided marketplace and, and the power of this platform. For me, it was like, okay, cha-ching, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm off. And, and I think that's what a lot of, especially these kind of, you know, entrepreneurial types, um, you know, are looking for, right? Where yeah. it's like, okay, this this platform can provide massive demand. Now I can go and I can start acquiring whether it's extra bedrooms or this extra house or vacation rentals or whatever, right? Um, I have the platform that I can kind of power it all by. And um, I think that's that's obviously what spurred a ton of the, the growth early on and, and still even today, right? Yeah. It's still like a massive, you know, in the short-term rental world, it's like, oh, I'm managing five or 10 Airbnbs now, right? I started with just one and, and now here's where I am too. So um, so yeah, that was it for me. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we always maintain positivity myself personally. So there wasn't a point. I, I don't think I, I, I didn't feel that idea of like, oh, this is going to fail honestly until fast forward like 10 years and, and COVID. Huh. And that was when, you, you know, the company is almost going at a point of bankruptcy, right? Wow, when you start yeah. looking at all the overhead costs and, and you know, travel coming to a zero, which is like crazy to think that that was the first time I was actually scared yeah. of, of Airbnb failing. Um, but yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and, and I want to I want to come back to that moment in, in just a second here. But uh, one, one last question, just kind of about uh, about history. One, one of the things that I get asked or people talk a lot about on on this podcast when you bring somebody who's been in the hospitality space for a while, especially the short term rental space for a while. There's sort of this this narrative out there, the sentiment that Airbnb hates hosts and Airbnb doesn't treat hosts well and 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 whatnot. I, I'm curious from from your perspective as the company grew, were there were there phases where it was like, hey, we really want to double down on investing in the guest versus, hey, you know what, this season, we really got to invest in making sure our hosts are okay? Or or has it always been sort of a, has it been relatively balanced? Is it is it biased? Like, from your perspective, how, how has that dynamic played out within the context of the company? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. And I think, um, I think it's sort of been this, this kind of pendulum swinging hmm. back and forth, right, where you kind of come and, and maybe overcompensate for one side of the, the two sided marketplace, and you have to come and, and, and kind of, um, you know, repair some of those relationships. I mean, early on, with Paul Graham and Y Combinator, the, the story was, you know, they were at office hours, and they were talking about their traction, and all the business was all the hosts and all the traffic and, and all the bookings were coming from New York. Hmm. And he famously was like, well, why are you here in San Francisco? Go to your customers, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's when they went out to New York City and had their first kind of host meetups and brought their camera and were taking photos um, of the listings themselves. So to, you know, from an optimization standpoint, right? Um, and so that was like fully like the hosts at that point were the ones that were going to ultimately build the business yeah. in the early days. Yeah. Um, I think... 
I think when I saw the pendulum swing was when I moved, um, I, I initially, when I moved to San Francisco, I was initially focused on growth in North American markets, right? Individual hosts in key urban um, destinations. And as we shifted and I moved to the newly formed vacation rental team, um, I started to feel this kind of pushback hmm. um, internally hmm. because a lot of employees and a lot of leadership thought that these you know, this new segment of property managers and professionally managed supply wasn't ultimately fitting the original ethos of Airbnb, right? Mm. The one host, one listing, yeah. um, helping people make ends meet. And now you're ultimately working with, with businesses, right? Yeah. Sometimes small um, family runs, sometimes larger uh, property management companies in these, um, in these vacation destinations. And there was a lot of pushback from, I mean, there was some times where engineers would refuse to even work on products wow. building for, for, uh, for vacation rental managers. And, and that was like really eye opening for me because, you know, I was now like the voice in the room kind of supporting this, this new segment saying yeah. not only from a, not only does the business case make sense, right. We start looking at Verbo VRBO at the time was like massively beating us in these markets. Yeah. Um, but you know, right the, at the time it was the belong anywhere was our, our kind of slogan and our, our tagline. And I was like, you know, people travel to urban destinations and they also travel to vacation destinations. Yeah. Sometimes they're by themselves. Sometimes they're with their family. And, and you know, if you want to belong anywhere, this is how you do it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I was often that that kind of voice um, for those professionally um, managed listings. And, um, and yeah, it was interesting. And I think in, in you know, COVID was one of the ones that really kind of put us behind the eight ball in terms of my teams um, in, in, in the VR vacation rental pro host team, because if you recall, they made this kind of, you know, Brian came in and, and kind of had this sort of, you know, sweeping proclamation that all, um, you know, reservations will be canceled and fully refunded. Yeah. Yeah. But that was on the onus of the vacation rental property manager, mm. right? Airbnb wasn't covering the cost. And so all these businesses now are sitting there with these zeros on the books, right? That they've already forecast. Like they're they're dealing with the same things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we weren't abiding by their cancellation policies. We were ultimately leaving them holding the bag. And I had to have a lot of really, really difficult conversations with them. You know, some people are crying yeah. to me, right? Yeah. Um, because they're saying, I can't, you know, you've just refunded, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars from next month. Like, how am I going to pay my employees? How yeah. am I going to pay maintenance and all these overhead costs that I've already incurred? Um, and let, like, you know, let me work directly with them. Let me try to do a rebooking or something like that, right? Because now I'm in a position where my business could potentially fail. Yeah. Um, because you know, as you're aware, right? These 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 companies are, are very you know cash flow sensitive, and and it's you know month by month, you never know what you're going to get, and and you know those overhead costs don't just go away too. So yeah. that was, I think, the the moment that I was like, oh wow, okay, um, this is tough. This is this is really tough. And it was my teams that were ultimately on the hook to talk to them, kind of walk them off the ledge. Ultimately, we we were able to to save quite a bit because. Airbnb as a platform was so powerful and it was driving so much demand that ultimately they, you know, if they were able to figure it out, um, 
you know, a year or two down the road, they, they remained as, yeah. as hope. But I think they, they you know, the, the relationship was definitely soured yeah. in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. I mean, that that's a super sort of like transparent uh, uh, account of of what I think, uh, from my perspective, like, you know, happened. Obviously, there was a lot of bad press initially. Um, but I, I want to talk about the moment when stuff started to change a little bit, right? Because then there was what is often now referred to in the space as like the Airbnb, like boom, right? Where all of a sudden people could work from wherever after the first few months of COVID, right? People understood a little bit more about the virus anyways. People, you know, made their own assessment of how much risk versus how little risk they wanted to take. Different cities responded very differently. Different states responded very differently as we all know. So, so, what was that transition like internally? Like, was was there this eureka moment that, oh my gosh, wow, people can literally live anywhere and that, and, and we could be a platform where people actually live on, if you will. Just to give you a little bit of context too, Justin, my wife and I actually were in DC. We broke our lease. We spent a year and a half Airbnb hopping. We stayed, ex- <laughs> we stayed in like close to 70, uh, 70 Airbnbs. We literally only booked through Airbnb. This is before I knew anything about like, I had never heard the word short-term rental before, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So, so anyways, so we we were kind of a part of like that little contingency of folks who who kind of were like, whoa, we can work from wherever. Let's let's go somewhere crazy, right, and different. Um, so, right. but, but what was that like internally? Yeah, so I think, and and I was one of the same. I was in Manhattan at the time, right? Was like cramped apartment, you know. Looked at my fiance and our dog, and we're like, we can't just do this for how we don't know how long this is going to last. So we just packed the car, bugged out, and and stayed a month and a half in um just this cabin in the Poconos, just yeah. randomly, right? And we we bounced around to a couple other places as well. Um, but yeah, so that this was like the the perfect sort of um you know, kind of story for, um, you know, internally. And, and I give the executives and, and just the teams a, a ton of credit for having this sort of startup mindset and mm. being agile and being able to pivot where it's like, okay, people aren't traveling across borders anymore. No one's going to cities yeah. anymore. Right. But the platform still is powerful in the way that if we can find these sort of properties and they were often, um, and the, the teams kind of went into full on, like, back to sales acquisition mode, which was like really a fun time, all things considered. Um, but there was this opportunity for these, these listings that were, that were sort of like, you know, kind of within the corridor. Right. Yeah. And so you have like the vacation town, you have the city center, but all in between there was these, these properties that that may have listed in the past um, that were, you know, putting in like, you know, 12 month lease opportunities on Craigslist, right? Hey, I'm looking for a tenant yeah. type of thing. And, and, and they found those, the, the, the teams found those and ultimately brought them onto Airbnb because in the past, right, they had maybe had the consideration and maybe thought of it, but they had never really kind of fully, um, gone through the, the, the listing process to ultimately go live on a site because they didn't think, you know, who's coming to my XYZ city right yeah. in the middle of nowhere. And now people were right as a massive new demand for these people that ultimately just wanted big places with a yard. They could bring the dog. They had Wi-Fi and and they were looking to book for two, three, four weeks plus at a time. Yeah. Right. And so that's, I think, like really the strength of Airbnb and and one that, um, you know, people kind of, oh, what what makes it so special? It's like it's because it's this two sided marketplace. Right. And it can flex based on where that demand and where that supply and where those imbalances lie. And if you're 
you know, still have that kind of that that agile mindset that I think it's part of the culture, right? They've always kind of maintained this, you know, hire for people that have a startup mentality. Yeah. Mentality, excuse me. Yeah. Um, and so they're able to do that, and and um, and yeah, we were able to to ultimately you know, can sustain the business. Yeah. Right. In so many ways when at, at one point it was looking like, um, you know, travel was at a zero and, and Airbnb had at the risk of, of completely going under. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Wow. I mean, I, I can imagine how stressful that must've been and how equally sort of fun it must've been in that. Whoa. Like as, as you all started kind of figuring out, Whoa, Hey, Maybe there are these opportunities for people to go two hours from a, a major metropolitan area, and maybe you know these people will be really flexible with how long they stay, right? And, and it, it must have been kind of this equally scary, but also sort of like maybe it, maybe it felt a little bit like the early days again, right? Yeah. Of, of no, I, lo- the I love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're exactly right, and and I think you know the the reason I was able again, um, you know, lucky and and you know count my stars all the time, but. I was able to within Airbnb kind of move um, whether it was that initial kind of pending calls to, you know, kind of creating a lot of the playbook that customer support teams are still in trust and safety are still using today um, to then that North American growth strategy, kind of taking the things that they had done in, in, in Europe and um, in other international markets and applying that to, to the U S markets. Right. And then to, to, to move to that newly formed, you know, it was the first, you know, three people on the vacation rental team. Yeah. I was over- to kind of move and and kind of be at the forefront of the the, the sort of startup within a startup right yeah. when things start to move a bit slower and i was like okay here's this great opportunity um i'm a perfect fit to kind of lead this new strategy let's figure things out right and that's i feel like where i operate best on is is kind of that in that that uncertainty yeah and so, and that's not, you know, some people, you know, right. You're coming from a big bank or something like that, or like, you know, you're, you know, management consultant or something, <laughs> right. They, they prefer a bit more kind of, you know, structure and standardization and following X, Y, and Z. But, you know, if you're able to, um, to kind of operate within that uncertainty, then I think there's, there's always a place for you in, in businesses. Right. And so, yeah, it was, it was exactly that. Right. It was like, okay, we're onto something here. Yeah. Let's put the pedal down um and it's working right and when you start to get that initial traction with this this kind of new sort of campaign um you know it feels good right yeah, yeah. actually and you're helping people out too right at the end of the day that's it airbnb is it's still the ethos of like helping these people make ends meet um and and ultimately monetize their extra space yeah and so we were doing that at scale and and it was great and you, and you see that right not only just with the company surviving but then you know the share price started to you know people started to notice from the the broader kind of business communities were like oh, okay these guys are onto something again right they there's definitely there's definitely something there that that's made them special in the past and, and they continue to have that kind of you know even in in present day yeah my a quick anecdote to to your last point there of airbnb really you know being this incredible vehicle to, to help people, you know, make ends meet the, the best Airbnb I've ever stayed in as in just the, the, the experience from the moment you arrive to the actual hospitality during the stay to, to when you leave is uh, a, a now friend of ours, uh, Susie, who has this incredible place in Booth Bay Harbor, Maine. It's this beautiful, like French, like cottage that literally her husband uh, built from the trees that were on their property. And it's just like, it's just a very, wow. very beautiful stay. And Susie was a, a longtime flight attendant and 
and she ended up being able to leave uh, her her job as a flight attendant because her Airbnb primarily during COVID, right at the start of COVID, began to take off. And now it's, you know, one of the, I think they they were enrolled early on in like the plus program, I think. And anyways, uh, she does that full time for, you know, from May to October. uh, And, and that's, more than enough to uh, to uh, you know um, replace her her salary as a as a flight attendant, and it's totally tra- tra- like transformed her life. She says she's so much more peaceful, so less stressed. Like it's just been it was really cool hearing her story about how yeah. Airbnb really did for her, you know, remarkably change her reality in a relatively short period of time. Yeah, that's it. And and there's so many of these stories too. And I, I kind of use that as the fuel, right? Where we would go to a, a you know a, a new city and and try to understand. Okay, how do we you know? And we were just literally talking with individuals, and, yeah. and you know, it'd be the lady at the art at the art walk in Savannah, Georgia, who said, "Oh, I actually, you know, I, I do have my garage, and I can maybe clean out the, the spare bedroom and and blah blah blah." And and we said, "Great, let's help you get set up." And then you know, we would look back. And like six months and she's got 50 reviews, <laughs> right? She's a super host now. Yeah, yeah. And so there's so many of these kind of stories of like, okay, this, this is, we are actually helping people and it is actually changing people's lives. And it's not, um, you know, it's not hyperbole at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Last minute cancellations suck. And that's why we built Ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. Well, I, I want to transition because you have now, you've left Airbnb and you're now building a, a really cool company uh, with Michael Golden, who we actually had on the podcast a, f- a few weeks ago, called uh, Storied Collection. And I want to I want to just hear a little bit about what that decision was like. Like, what you know, you you leave this now major influential company to to go and and start a, a startup. Like, what? How did how did you come to that decision? And what was it about the the idea that was so attractive to you? Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously loved and and you know my time at airbnb um you know was was an amazing opportunity and amazing experience and and left on good terms i think for me it was like okay that entrepreneurial bug was starting to bite a bit right yeah and and when you're when you're 10 you know 10 years at a startup you know you're almost ancient at that point right <laughs> yeah. it's, cra- it's crazy and so um and so i definitely wanted to to kind of get back to that 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 uncertainty, right? Where, where, you know, as we're now publicly traded, um, you know, things had become a bit more standardized and, and there was a little bit less sort of room to navigate for yeah. someone like me. Yeah. Um, and so, um, so yeah, so I had an opportunity 
um, joined another early stage company in the, in the short-term rental space for a little while, um, helped them with some things, um, excited kind of where they're going in terms of their direction, Rabu, based out of Charlotte, um, started tinkering with the idea of being an early stage investor and wrote some angel checks and was considering launching a fund, right? The, the cliche sort of <laughs> post exit, um, you know, early stage investor, which, you know, at the time, right, you couldn't miss in 2021. That's obviously um, things have, have, have uh, you know, clammed up a bit yeah. in terms of the venture world since then. Um, but then, yeah, Michael Golden, as you mentioned, who we go way back in, um, you know, as we kind of dove into the short-term rental vacation rental space at Airbnb, he was one of the first people I met at um, at the the VRMA conference, right? He's he's like you can't miss him at these places, right? He's 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 almost like a rock star at these <laughs> at these conferences. It's crazy, honestly. Um, and he's got a you know a podcast, right? Good Morning Hospitality. It's that's doing very well too. So he's he's been in this space for a while. We worked together on some pilots um with his other company he was at noise aware and and mm. um and some of the markets i was overseeing in atlanta too so we, we had a chance to work closely together um in different companies and and we just stayed in touch um he got me involved with uh, derived ventures who's a, a fund that i i, I really kind of look up to in terms of the direction they're going in the travel space and and anyway he, he came he came you know we hadn't chatted in about three months or so and he gave me a call just kind of out of the blue and said what do you think about castles? And I was like, I don't, okay, I don't know. Um, they're cool, great, right? He's like, I just had this amazing stay. Um, you know, it's just, just like kind of just after the the kind of COVID thaw, right? And people are starting to travel internationally again. And he said, my wife and I went to this this beautiful property um and had this amazing, memorable, right, kind of transformative experience. And I found out that the property was actually owned by you know, my, my 15th generation removed, um, great grandfather, right. On the Hamilton side of my mother's maiden name or something. And he's like, and it was amazing. Right. And, and there's, there's no one that's really doing anything around this. Right. Yeah. And so he's like, just, you know, think about it, take a look and, and let's kind of see what happens. Right. And so that was like my first, um, beginning into, I called it the castle project. Right. My wife would be like, what, you know, what are you, what are you working on over there? Right. Is everything okay? I'm like, you know, I'm like, you're doing these calls with like in the early morning with these like British people sounding <laughs> Scottish people. I'm like, oh, it's Michael and I's castle project, you know. So, um, so yeah, we just kind of started interviewing people, kind of continuing to kind of dig into the market and, and get a sense of like, okay, is this a segment, you know, while it's very niche, right, is one that we felt like wasn't really ultimately the stories weren't being told. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's kind of how we how we framed it um, initially. And so. Um, we brought in our, our CTO as well, who's a, a travel veteran, um, Michael Ross. And so kind of dove in originally. It's, it was launched last year as Caste, um, Castle Stay. Yeah, right? I got it. I got it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think and, uh, I, I like I like storied collection better personally. We, so. Yeah. So we got a lot of, of feedback. So one of our first hotel um, partners that we signed last year, Ashford Castle, um, which Michael had visited and and like beautiful, iconic, globally known, right? In terms of five star and, and his story and, and everything that we wanted. Um gave us a bit of unsolicited feedback where they said, you know, excited to sign, blah, blah, blah. Um, here's everything we need. And and can we just give you one one bit of, of feedback? We're like, yeah, sure. What 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 is it? Anything. They're like, we hate the name. Uh, <laughs> and so we heard that actually from like two or three others. And we we're like, wow, okay, we I think we really do need to to kind of 
change this. And so, um, Michael, who, who's, who's, um, you know, at the end of the day, a partnership sales marketing guy put on his branding hat and he's like, I, I think we should name it story collection. And we did the logo and I was like, okay, this is, I think this is good too. Yeah. This is, it, it really kind of, you know, positions us in terms of what we're, what we're going for. So, um, so yeah, launched that last year, focusing on hotels with an OTA commission model, um, traffic, to be honest, was a struggle, yeah. right? It, you know, you're, you're playing against the big boys, right. And, and booking, spending billions, um, to get to the top of these, these keywords on Google. And, and ultimately we, we tried doing some, some kind of interesting things around SEO, but, you know, to, to ultimately sustain the business, we realized we did need to kind of move in a different direction. And so at the beginning of, of 2023, um, after we realized that there was an even greater need for this exclusive use segment yeah. of historical properties, right? Yeah. The full buyout, yeah. you know, it's 10 or 20 bedrooms, you know, they're often at least two or three hours outside of the city center. And, and you know, really in terms of just distribution and technology, you know, they were, they were lacking in a lot of ways, right? And they're doing okay, um, but we felt like this is a great opportunity to ultimately kind of be that soft brand yeah. for them yeah. um, and help them to drive, especially more business from that U.S. traveler, right? Who stays longer, who spends more um, and who's, you know, as we kind of looked at this, this trend around heritage travel, right. And people looking to, to kind of, you know, visit their roots, yeah. um, and see where they came from. Right. It's, 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 it's almost kind of a, a, an inherent human desire, right. To see where you came from. Yeah. Um, and so kind of building on that and, and our relationship with ancestry.com, we were like, okay, this, I think this is, is something there. So it's, um, it's a membership model for the properties, right. Similar to like a relay and Chateau. Um, where they, you know, kind of join story collection. And with that, we help with sales and marketing and distribution and technology and all the different things, right. Being in all the places that they ultimately can't, right. I'm going to like a, a you know, a handful of conferences in in Vegas and Arizona in the next couple months, right. Where, you know, ultimately they're at the desk. Yeah. Checking yeah. in people, exactly. um, <laughs> you know, answering the phone, making sure the weddings are going okay. Right. And, and so, you know, ultimately they're, they're often very, very small family run, you know, these properties have been handed down through the generations too. It's not, um, you know, managed by large companies or hoteliers, right? They're fiercely independent. And yeah. so having a partner like us who can help with, um, with that, that kind of other side and take that kind of onus off of them is, has been, a has been really interesting and, and really valuable for them so far. Yeah. It's, it's a awesome idea. I think that you guys are striking, um, the, the right chord too. I, I was talking to my parents, the other day actually and they are gearing up to celebrate their like 35th wedding anniversary and mm. i and you know they were like oh my mom's been wanting to go on like an alaskan cruise for forever and my okay. dad's like <laughs> my dad's like i don't want to go on a cruise because i'm going to get sick and you know it's like the classic like he's like you know went on one sailboat when he was like 17 and threw up and now he's like you know convinced he's seasick and sure, trying to sure. convince him that you know a cruise ship is not the same but you know whatever so yeah. we've been talking about like they they want to do some sort of some sort of trip and uh, my family has uh, my on my mom's side uh, Irish roots and I was like well what what if we like went to like Ireland or something like that you know and it was funny because she and, and my dad started talking oh wow you know that would actually be really cool like it would be really fun to know a little bit more about we know we know nothing about our heritage right and so yep. it was so fun. literally like that conversation happened like the week after I had talked with uh, talked with Michael. And, um, but, but to, to your point, 
I think that there is this, especially with like small or my family's big actually, but like family reunions, yeah. like wanting wanting to go back. Like if you're going to go spend all this money for all these people to go on a cruise, right? I, I don't know. Maybe go buy a castle, uh, go rent out a castle instead, right? And it, it might it might actually be fairly comparable. Um, and so I, I feel like I feel like that idea that that market segment that you guys are focused on is is a brilliant one. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think it, I mean, it comes down to, you know, it, it's it's what made VRBO popular 20 years ago, right? Mm. It's it's getting the whole family under one roof. Yeah. Um, as opposed to when you're booking conjoining hotel rooms, like you lose the magic there, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and I think the cruise is something a lot of people do, I think. Um, but to your point, right, that's the perfect kind of, you know, ideal um, target segment that we're looking for from, from the demand side is like, Oh, this would be cool. This would be interesting. Yeah. This would be fun. And this is something different too. And it and it's obtainable. Yeah. As well. You know, and it's 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 like, you know, in terms of you know, memorable transformative trips, you know, to put this kind of beautiful historic castle as, as the setting and as a background of, of everything that you're doing it on top of all the activities that you can do and and the, the cooking and the dining and and the food and the wine and the whiskey and all yeah. those different things, right? It really it really does set it apart. Um, and I think it's something that that definitely, you know, and it's, it's you know, not only the family kind of multi-generational trips, right? Like the 70th anniversary yeah, or yeah. The birthday, um, but you're talking, you know, a bunch of old buddies going on a golf trip, yeah. right? You know, your old friends want to go in and explore the birthplace of golf in Scotland, right? You know, why would you not stay at a place like Gilmerton House, right? That has the driving range in the back and can help, you know, kind of coordinate the tee times, um at all these places and um you know wedding sprite is a massive right you want a fairy tale wedding yeah where better to do it that that was kind of my light bulb moment um originally too or you know i was doing the castle project and and uh you know michael's is you know fully bullish on on this new historical heritage travel and i'm kind of like yeah it's cool i like it you know yeah. it, it, is the tan too big right? yeah. i had my son my like investor cap on um and it was when my my fiance and now wife um, who's, you know, originally was born in, in London and, and was like, what if we got married in a castle? Right. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and, and I, you know, I go on Google and I'm like wedding in castle. And it's like, you know, I'm like a deer in headlights. I'm like, I don't know any of these places, yeah. I don't know any of these areas. I have no idea what links to click. Um, and there wasn't that kind of go-to place that can ultimately help kind of provide you know, the best fit for whatever it is, your dates or your, your number of, of guests or anything like that too. So that's where for me, I was like, oh, this is where story collection is valuable, right? Yeah. And and, and kind of, you know, brought it, brought it home in a lot of ways too. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting. And, and I think, you know, we're, we're trying to do as much, you know, around the, the things I mentioned too, yeah. but like, you know, film, locations right are are a big deal corporate offsites we're working with a lot of these you know um planners and and corporate events um companies right to say oh you know you're doing xyz every year in this hotel boardroom yeah how boring is that yeah right <laughs> get out of that. that that is not inspiring anybody on the team at this you know 2023 sales kickoff yeah like, get out of the you know get out of the old kind of boring ways that you've been doing it and, and book one of these places right you have everyone under one roof you have the massive space to do all the things you got yeah. av like yeah it's all there 
Um, and you really give, you know, your teams a chance to like be inspired, right? Yeah. Which is the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I love the idea. I think, I think it's, I think you guys are really like, um, you know, hitting, hitting the nail on, 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 on something here. What, what do you think about this soft brand approach in, in like other verticals or in other categories? Like, do you think that this is a, a easily replicatable sort of like approach that, that others could take for let maybe it's not castles, but I don't know, a, a different segment of, of stay type, or I guess what, what, what's an opportunity or two that you see to to create another soft brand and or and or just you know to to build something else meaningful in this space yeah um i mean i I think you know you look at at some of these large you know hotel brands like you know a marriott a core or hyatt right any of these these properties and and for them they want to provide their community or their members or, you know, anyone that's got their Bonvoy points, you know, the most options yeah. to stay. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's kind of the idea. And so if they're able to take a company like story collection, kind of fold them in, right. Then it not only, you know, you're not only satisfying the business traveler, but you're satisfying the high end. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's, there's obviously a, a blueprint of these, these hotels kind of just kind of acquiring these different soft brands for that very reason, right? We have a, um, one of our, our, our advisors, Peter Cole was, um, the former CEO at design hotels, right. That okay. was part of the Starwood and Marriott acquisition, right? So he was like full in to this world. Um, and now design hotels has its focus, has its niche, right. But you can book them with Bonvoy points, mm, yeah, right. Yeah. And, you know, Marriott has the autograph collection. There's so many of these different things. And so I think you'll just see that continue to kind of broaden out, Yeah. um, whether it's historic exclusive use accommodations in UK and Ireland, hopefully eventually throughout Europe, um, or things like. You know, who knows like glamping right i think is is a, is a trend that you know as, as people look to get out of the city and digitally detox right um maybe that's something that would fit within a a kind of you know hotel portfolio where it's like okay we're, we're looking for something different yeah i still want to book it on bonvoy yeah what's available right i don't always want to go to the high-end five-star you know spa and and you know provide all the amenities like maybe i want to rough it yeah right? or something like that so I think I think this this trend will only continue. Um, I think the consumer is demanding you know, trips that ultimately are different, right? Yeah. And have experiences that are different than just the cookie cutter hotel, right? Yeah. yeah. And and I think you know, especially the, the 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 younger generations are, you know, they see these things on Instagram, right? Inspiration yep. is so huge um in terms of booking travel now and so you know that's that's kind of why airbnb originally right became so popular in um in the early days was because it was something different yeah right and you're able to stay in some place different than just your kind of off the highway you know hotel and you know holiday and express nothing against holiday and express is beautiful accommodations but i think the consumer of today really is looking for that that kind of memorable um experience that you can't really find at at at, at the you know the kind of standard hotels. Yeah. I, I'm really struck by what you just, the the example that you gave of a, a Marriott, right? Uh, either having a strategic partnership or, or maybe it's some sort of like acquisition of, of storage collection so that members can use their Bonvoy points to be, you know, be able to book uh, a stay through, through storage collection. Yeah. Do you, 
one one of the things we've talked about on this podcast a fair amount is is like obviously the the lack of loyalty or or any sort of like membership uh, in the short term rental space, right? There there aren't large conglomerates of. I mean, there's there are, are larger property managers uh, who haven't necessarily depending on who you talk to done a done a fantastic job at scaling nationally you don't yeah. see lots of examples of of any sort of memberships or or, or points or, or loyalty in this space do you sort of predict that loyalty will come to the space through these strategic partnerships and or acquisitions before they might it might originate directly in in the short-term rental space i i think that the yeah. act I, you know, to your point, there's obviously a gap there, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, these kind of, you know, these points that these hotel companies have are like massive hooks yeah. to, to keep the consumer, um, you know, and, and that brand allegiance is, is so key, right? So it, it's kind of been a bit of a, you know, especially with Airbnb, right, where I'm in some of these conversations, I'm kind of questioning like why haven't we done yeah something right to keep people on the platform yeah um and you know marriott has homes and villas yeah. right which is is huge and growing and, and something that they're definitely putting a lot of focus on so i i definitely think there is opportunity whether that comes at you know the the, the property management side or if it comes through those sort of acquisitions i don't know yeah um but i, I definitely don't think that any short-term rental company is doing a great job, right? They might send an email three months after the booking and say, hey, save 10% off yeah. your next yeah. reservation or something, right? Which is is kind of like an easy way out. But I think if you really want to capture that consumer, then it's like, like you know, I, I don't really go on any other hotel. You know, I'm, I stay in a lot of Airbnbs. Yeah. I also stay in storage collections, of course. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, Bonvoy is like, I'm on Marriott. I got the app. I got yeah. the points. It's like, I don't really consider anything outside of that yeah. for the most part, right? Yeah, Which is yeah. powerful, yeah. extremely powerful. So yeah, I don't know why it hasn't been something that, I know they've definitely talked about it and considered it. It just hasn't been the right time for whatever reason. So yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see how that sort of plays out in the next, give it five or so years, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, man, this has been a, a incredibly insightful conversation and I'm, I'm super appreciative of your time. My, my last question for you is just around any other opportunities that you see in the space and or predictions or hot takes you have on the future of, of travel and hospitality. Oh, hot takes. Okay. <laughs> they, can, um, they can be warm takes too. No, I go spicy. Okay. Caliente, baby. I'm in Miami. <laughs> um, I think um, so, you know, not to be a downer, I'm, I'm, I've started to, I, I made a prediction a couple of weeks ago. I can see these COVID restrictions coming back, right? You're starting to hear this with the required masks yeah. and, um, and, you know, different, you know, the, a new vaccine coming out, a new variants and all this, that, right? So I think there's definitely that possibility that we're, we're sort of back in that lockdown phase, hmm. which would be definitely unfortunate for a lot of, of businesses. Um, but I think travel is, has been, you know, kind of one of those things that's able to kind of morph and merge, right. Based on, on the desires of, uh, of the traveler. And so I think the companies that are, are ultimately set up, um, like you saw Airbnb, right. And it's ability to kind of flex the platform. I think story collection is, is well positioned for something like that. While we might not focus on the U S traveler, but it's the same thing, right. The people in London want to get out of the city. Yeah. They want to stay in a place that has Wi-Fi. Let's kind of put them in, in something like that too. So I definitely think there's that opportunity, um, in the, in the next kind of, you know, 12 or 18 months, we'll see how that plays out. Um, 
I think just in general, though, so that's my spicy take. Okay. Yeah, um, that's pretty spicy. Think, yeah. Hey, I'm putting it out there. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm reading the tea leaves. That's what, I'm, that's what I do, right? Um, I, I think in general, though, in, in hospitality, I think technology is still very much kind of behind the curve in yeah. so many ways. And, and so many things are, are extremely fragmented. Yeah. Um, right especially in short-term rentals right with all the softwares everyone uses it's it's you know you're always kind of bolting and plugging in with channel managers and pms and all yeah. this and right it's still very messy yeah um so i think there's a lot of um of opportunities from from the tech side right and and, and ultimately you know providing good experiences is is what people are trying to do i think derive i mentioned derive ventures and some of their portfolio companies um like muse right on the hotel side and um and some other interesting ones that yeah. that they're uh, that they're investing in, right? Are, are really trying to, you know, maybe it's not the the biggest um, you know problem that they're trying to solve, but but ultimately it's a massive industry. Travel is billions and if not trillions of dollars, right, in terms of addressable market. Yeah. And so if you can get just a piece of that, right? Um, another company, Top Key, is one that I invested in, a YC company um, that's that's doing very well and providing like a platform payment platform solution for for property management companies. Um, if you can get a piece of that, then I think it's, it's really interesting, right? And you're solving a problem yeah. that, that ultimately exists too. So, uh, I can see a lot of these kind of, you know, companies continue to spring up here and, um, and ultimately just kind of moving the industry forward, right. Is I think what we're all trying to do. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's, it's, it's a very exciting time. I think there's tons of opportunity. There's lots of new stuff. Uh, and I, I really do think travel is going to continue to have this this wonderful moment. I get excited when I get to talk with people like you who've been able to observe kind of this industry for uh, more than a decade uh, and and have a lot of stories and, and blood and sweat and tears and joys yeah. kind of like baked in because uh, I, I think you have a super unique vantage point and I'm just very thankful for your time. Thanks for being here. Thanks for yeah. the great work that you guys do and, and keep us posted, man. I, I'm really excited to see Storied Collection grow and um, excited to see what you guys continue to do and, and, and what you do next. If folks do want to get in touch or they want to stay at a, a storied property or they want to chat with you, what, what's the best way for them to do so? Yeah, my email is Haugi, my last name, H-A-U-G-E at storycollection.com. So feel free to reach out there. Info at Story Collection gets to gets to the team as well. We're, we're, we're still small. We're still under 10. So hopefully looking for that that lucky number 13th employee to, <laughs> to take us to the unicorn status. Um, and yeah, let me know about uh, about grandma and grandpa, too. We can get them off that Alaskan cold yacht yeah. and, and get them in a, in a beautiful <laughs> estate and get the family. You'll get some good photos there and, and have a great experience, too. So to happy to help with that. Um, and yeah, other than that, appreciate the time, Zach. Appreciate what you do out here for the industry as well. Right. Uh, I think, you know, just shining the light on on uh, on good people and good businesses that are, like I said, just moving the industry forward is um, is always you know, much appreciated. Well, thanks so much, man. It's been a pleasure having you. All right. Thanks, Zach. Hey, friends. Hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com, and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last-minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at Spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, 
my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're gonna roll with it. Subscribe um, and thanks in advance. All right, everyone, see you next time.